Thanks very much, Ruth, for reading the passage to us. Hi, everyone. Let me have my welcome to Honeys from the start. My name's Mark. I'm one of the ministers here. And a particular warm welcome, if this is your first time connecting with us here at Inspire St. James Clarkwell. Great to have you online today. Today we're uh, continuing our sermon series in the Old Testament book of um, Zechariah. Today, chapter 4. Now, some of you know that I'm a parent. I have four um, children. They are all at school, and they are all in different years at school. So I'm on four different WhatsApp groups for parents. And so when the government announcement uh, came out this week that schools were going to be closed for another six weeks and perhaps longer, you can probably imagine some of the response on these chats. Some of it best left unsaid, um, but there were some honest cries of the heart. Um, I'm really struggling to cope as it is already. Um, I'm finding this really, really difficult. I don't know how I'm going to manage. I think I might even have a nervous breakdown. And look, I don't know if that's you. If you're struggling to cope right now, if you're thinking to yourself, my goodness, how do I keep going with all this going on? I'm conscious we're not all parents. We haven't all got uh, school-age kids. But the sheer amount of things that we're having to deal with right now, loss of loved ones perhaps, loss of jobs, um, separation from others, lockdown restraints, mis-celebrations, mental health in the UK right now is at an all-time high. So I wouldn't be surprised if many of you are feeling pretty overwhelmed right now. And the question is, like, how do you and I, how do we keep on going day in, day out, you know, in this third lockdown as this pandemic continues, How do we cope? How do we keep going? Well, listen to verse 6 from our passage today. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. That is the message of Zechariah 4 for us today. Originally to God's people back then in 520 BC, facing their own internal, external uh, pressures their own feelings of being overwhelmed, but also to all of God's people today. What we need more than anything else right now, according to God, is a reassurance of his all-powerful, all-sufficient, ever-present spirit at work in us and through us. Now, this all comes in a series of eight visions that God gives the prophet Zechariah, sometimes called night visions, because in verse 1, the angel returns to wake Zechariah up. And this fifth vision is not the easiest one to get our heads around. It's a little bit like back in chapter 1, remember the myrtle trees, remember the four horns, and you're thinking to yourself, what on earth is going on? So if you're thinking that right now, don't be dismayed. Did you notice Zechariah? doesn't know what's going on either. He asked the angel in verse 4, what are these, my Lord? In verse 11, what are these two olive trees? In verse 12, again, what are these two olive branches? Zechariah is a prophet of God, and he hasn't got a clue either. Which, just as a side point, um, tells us something very important about uh, visions, dreams, pictures, etc., that by themselves, you will never know for sure what God is saying to you. You always need the explanation from God. 
which here we get in verse 6. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, which comes also in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to me. And it is why, therefore, the Bible is so precious to us today. Because in it, it contains the whole counsel of God. All of the explanation, all that God wants to say to us, his created beings, about life in his world. Without the Bible, we wouldn't have a clue what is going on, what life is about, where the future is heading. With it, we can be ready for anything. Right, let's go to the passage. Three things for us to see. First, the power of God's Spirit. Verse 6. So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. In other words, God's Spirit is so powerful, it can flatten mighty mountains. Not literal mountains, of course, but the mountain of obstacles that Zerubbabel, the governor of Israel, in charge of rebuilding the temple, was facing at that time. Now, you can read about some of these obstacles in other books of the Old Testament, like Haggai, like Ezra, um, lethargy and grumbling amongst the older generation who knew about the splendor of the first temple and were moaning at this building site and how the second temple would never match up. Or the fact that Zerubbabel didn't have enough skilled laborers or resources to rebuild the temple. There was fierce opposition from non-Jewish residents who were bribing officials to slow down the work, writing letters of complaint to King Artaxerxes to stop the rebuilding work entirely. And God says to Zerubbabel here, what are these things to me? What are you mighty? They might seem like mighty mountains to you, but they're like little road bumps to me. And I can flatten them just like that. And there is a wonderful illustration of this in Ezra, chapters 5 and 6. You might want to read up on that later on where a local Persian governor, a powerful man, man named uh, Tatanai, writes a letter to King Darius, accusing Zerubbabel and God's people of sedition, and he demands that the rebuilding of the temple stop straight away. Now, you'd expect King Darius to listen to his governor, put a halt to the rebuilding work straight away. He doesn't. Instead, he goes into the royal archives and checks to see if there's anything in there about this. And he comes across the original edict from King Cyrus that said God's people could go back and rebuild the temple. And so what turns out is that Tatanai, instead of um, causing the rebuilding work to stop, King Darius gives him an order to help God's people to rebuild the temple. And he himself has to raise all the finances, all the resources, and even all the animals for the temple sacrifices that would start. The power of God's Spirit. What are you, mighty mountain? You will become level ground. 
And the power of God's Spirit continues through the history of the church. Think of the Apostle Peter, a poor, uneducated fisherman. But on the day of Pentecost, with the power of the Spirit in him, preaches a sermon where immediately 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus Christ. Think of Voltaire, the French atheist at the time of the Enlightenment, and his famous boast that in 20 years Christianity will be no more. My single hand shall destroy the edifice it took 12 apostles to rear. But 50 years later, Voltaire was dead, and the very house from which he had made that famous boast, by the power of the Holy Spirit, had now become the home of the Geneva Bible Society. Think of China in the 1950s when all the Christian missionary societies were expelled from the country by the Chinese communist armies, and yet the church in China continued to grow by the power of the Spirit from 700,000 to over 44 million Christian believers today. And so take the global pandemic that we're all facing right now. Take all the pressures, the obstacles you are facing right now. And do you not think that God's Spirit can help you? Can get you through it? Can give you the strength to carry on? You don't think that God is still building His church? That He can give you everything you need, whatever it is you are dealing with? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Notice, secondly, the work of God's spirit in verses 8 to 10. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. When you think of the work of the Spirit, it's tempting to think of something um, big and impressive and immediate and instantaneous and extraordinary, the burning bush and the parting of the Red Sea, tongues of fire, a dove descending from heaven. But these sort of events are actually far and few between in the Bible, really quite rare. Most of the time, the Spirit is at work slowly but surely from small beginnings, the day of small things. Think of the natural world and how a small acorn over time, over many years, grows into this mighty oak tree. Think of Abraham, a nobody in the middle of nowhere, chosen by God and gets this promise that through him and his descendants, blessing will come to all the nations of the world. Think of a small little baby born in a stable 2,020 years ago who would grow up to be the saviour of the world. Think of a ragtag group of 12 disciples 
that Jesus chose to spread the message about him, and now, thousands of years later, billions of believers around the world in Jesus Christ. Don't despise the day of small things, says the Lord. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. God says, what I start, I will finish, no matter how small it begins with. And so the older generation of God's people, they may have scoffed at the small beginnings of this rebuilding project of the temple. It's nothing like the old temple. It's nothing like the glory days. But that's because they'd forgotten how God's Spirit works. Slowly but surely, from small beginnings, it took five years, but the temple was completed, just as God said it would. So if you tend to think of small as unimportant, if you tend to think of small as unsuccessful, don't forget that every great work of the Spirit starts out small. Jesus himself described the kingdom of God like a mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds on earth, he says. Yet when planted, grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Don't despise the day of small things. Don't despise the small things like daily Bible reading by which your heart is transformed by the Holy Spirit. Don't despise the small things like daily dependence on the Lord in prayer, by which you are empowered by God's Spirit. Don't despise the small things right now, like just getting through each day, working phenomenally hard to homeschool your kids whilst trying to keep down the job, whilst in lockdown. Because through it, you show how God's power is made perfect through weakness. And can I just say, Pete and I have been greatly encouraged by by the way you, a church family at large, have been dealing with these past 11 months. I mean, admits real difficulty, admits real heartache, admits the real mountain of obstacles before you. And you might not notice it yourself. It's so hard to notice it day by day, the growth in one's life. But just think about it, the commitment to inspire groups, despite it all moving online. The desire to meet together in person, you know, when we can. The way many of you are crying out to God in prayer and bringing your anxieties to Him. Your seeking of help from others, your ongoing financial giving to the church, your desire to serve in any way you can right now. And that's just to name a few. And you might think to yourself, oh, these are just small things. These are just little things. No, they're not. They are wonderful fruits and evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in you individually, at work in us as a church. He is with us. He is building this church. He continues to do it even through this pandemic. And what he starts, he finishes, and he will bring to completion. So don't be dismayed. And try not to grumble. And rejoice that the Spirit is with you, and he won't stop his great work until it is all completed. So the power of God's Spirit, the work of God's Spirit, thirdly and finally, the means 
of God's Spirit in verses 11 to 14, and then going back to verses 1 to 5, because it's only now at the end that we get the full explanation of what this vision was at the beginning and what it all means. Then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? Again, I asked him, what are these two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? He replied, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said. So he said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. Now, Zechariah would have been familiar with the golden lampstand because this was one of the special objects that belonged in the holy place of the tabernacle and the temple. And there was no window in the holy place, so the golden lampstand was the only source of light. And it was never to be put out, never to stop shining. Uh, Twice a day, morning and evening, a priest would come in um, to attend to the wick, replenish the oil, so the light would always remain on. But now, in this vision, Zacharias sees a new lampstand for a new temple. But this is different, different to the previous lampstand, because here we've got these two olive trees either side of it. And these two branches giving it a continuous supply of oil. So the light is always shining. And Zechariah's confused. He's like, what's going on? He asked the angel, what are, what are these olive trees? What are these olive branches? And the angel says they are two people. Two anointed ones. Which the majority of commentators believe are Joshua, the high priest from chapter 3. And now Zerubbabel, the governor from chapter 4. The immediate context makes most sense that it is Joshua and Zerubbabel. In other words, how is God's Spirit going to bring about the rebuilding of the temple? How is God's Spirit going to bring restoration to God's people? And the answer is through these anointed leaders, through the priest and through the king. Now you say, what's all the relevance of this to us? It is this. It shows us that the Holy Spirit is at work in us, through us, not despite us. The temple is not going to build itself. The Spirit does not work like some Mary Poppins click of the finger or some Harry Potter charm and then suddenly all of our lives are cleaned up instantaneously. No, verse 7, Zerubbabel will bring out the capstone. Verse 9, by the hands of Zerubbabel, Will the temple be completed? Of course, the rebel still needs to manage all the finances that are now his. Manage all the resources, direct the foreman, lead the people, oversee the project, see it all through to completion. But the Holy Spirit works through him, not despite him, not in spite of him. Empowers the rubber ball, enables the rubber ball, works through the rubber ball. Now, first and foremost, this is a picture of the ministry of Jesus Christ, the anointed one, our great priest and king. Jesus started his ministry. What were his words? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he baptized with the Holy Spirit. And at his baptism, a dove did descend on him. The Spirit descended on him like a dove. But it is through Jesus Christ that his Spirit is poured out on his church in the day of Pentecost And Jesus now says to all of us who follow him, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, secondarily, this applies directly to us of life in the Spirit 
and of being every day dependent on him. To even hear God's voice in Scripture, to be able to listen to it, to be able to understand it, to be able to obey it. Lord, give me the energy to homeschool the kids and get my work done. Lord, I'm feeling so overwhelmed with everything right now, but please would you help me by the power of your Holy Spirit not to give up. Lord, help me to read your word. Help me to listen to your voice. Help me to obey it in my life. Convict me of my sin. Lead me to repentance. Give me a heart for the lost. Help me to pray. Guide me. Forgive me. Empower me. Keep me going. This is life in the Spirit. This is daily dependence on him. And then having prayed, we step out in faith to do the work God has called us to do. One of our dangers will be activism, where we're constantly doing a lot for the Lord, doing a lot of good things, but doing it without a daily dependence on Him. And we end up exhausted and frustrated and dutiful and burnt out. Another danger is that we do pray and pray and pray, but then end up not stepping out in faith and not doing anything ourselves and remain passive. Perhaps we just expect a magical, instantaneous, impressively big answer, just like that, which of course God can do if he wants, but most of the time, the normal, usual Christian life of life in the Spirit is one of prayer then action. Reliance on the Spirit, then stepping out in faith, what Francis Schaeffer once called an active passivity. So whatever you have coming up in the week ahead, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, be reassured that God is with you and his Spirit is at work in you and he will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear that his grace is sufficient for you, that his power is made perfect in your weakness. So pray, 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 and then step out boldly in faith in him to do the work he has prepared for you to do. This passage is also a reminder to us corporately as a church that we must never measure the spiritual health of a church by uh, the size of its building, the size of its bank balance, the size of its, its congregation. As wonderful as it is to have those things. We are very thankful for those things here at Inspire St. James Clerkenwell. But the question we need to be asking ourselves all the time, and particularly right now, is, is our church filled with the Holy Spirit? Are we dependent on the Lord in prayer? Are we empowered by the Spirit? Are we obedient to the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit? Are we seeing more and more of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and in the church of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Because that is how Jesus Christ builds his church today. Not by power, not by might but by the Holy Spirit. Something that begins 
small, but ends up glorious and large as we depend daily on him in prayer and then step out in faith to do the work he has called us to do. This is where the real power lies. So let's depend on him, step out in faith. Let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this next part of Zechariah, this next vision, and the focus on your spirit that is not by human power or human might, but by your Spirit that you build your church, draw people to Jesus Christ, build us up in him. And so please, Father, would we not despise the day of small things, but keep coming to you each day in prayer for all our needs and then step out boldly in faith to do the work that you have called us to do. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.